The following sermon was delivered on Sunday, December 12th, 2021, at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Andover by the Reverend Callie Fire. The title of the sermon is Sharing Joy. Here begins the sermon. It is a startling truth that how you see and what you see determines who and how you will be. The words of John O'Donohue. Today is the Sunday of joy. The four week period of Advent was originally a time for new initiates to the Christian faith to reflect and prepare for baptism. Over time, this became associated with the preparation for the birth of Christ represented at Christmas. And in the traditional Christian observance today, the third Sunday of Advent is literally represents joy. It is known as Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice in Latin. And it marks the halfway point of Advent and the reflection on spiritual joy. So it makes perfect sense today for us to be talking about sharing our joy as a gift to others. Last Sunday, we talked about times when joy is hard and how to accept and understand that joy doesn't always come easily. And one thing that we learned last week that I think is important for us to continue to hold is um, that it, joy can and does coexist with grief, sadness, and other difficult emotions. Joy and happiness are not quite the same thing, um, which is something we also explored last week. Um, but they do seem to flow in similar currents where joy can be immediate and fleeting. So it's more of a surface current and happiness might be deeper because we measure that over time. So they kind of run parallel to each other. Psychologists describe joy as an intense momentary experience of positive emotion. But when we think about happiness, we consider many facets of our life, work, home life, our relationships, our friendships, and we think about those and how they interact with each other and complement or don't. And we distill all of that information into an overall sense of where we are flowing in the channel of our life. And sometimes we might acknowledge that we're happy, but it may not feel happy to us because of the complexity of all of those things. Ten years ago, when author Gretchen Rubin wanted to learn more about happiness, she began, um, she spent a full year working on what she called her happiness project, which involved test driving, wisdom of the ages, current scientific studies, and lessons from popular culture on happiness, habits, and human nature. She derived from this work what she calls her Eight Splendid Truths, a title that she took coined from the Buddhist tradition's usage of numbered lists, such as the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. So of her Eight Splendid Truths, the second one um, is most relevant to what we have been exploring. And the second one reads, one of the best ways to make yourself happy is to make other people happy. One of the best ways to make other people happy is to make yourself happy. 
or to be happy yourself, excuse me. It feels, so this feels to me a bit like a circular definition, right? Like the second half kind of defines the first half and in turn, the first half defines the second half. But the first part makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, making people happy makes us happy. This is something that we kind of know. Um, it's loosely based actually on a quote attributed to Mark Twain. The best way to cheer yourself up is to try to cheer up somebody else. Let's consider our seasonal activity of gift giving since this is the time of year for that. So we cannot help ourselves, can we? Like sometimes when we're handing a gift, we are already beaming with a smile before the person receives it and even opens it, right? Because we are giving that gift to someone. We're giving somebody happiness. I know for myself, sometimes I get downright giddy when I find like the perfect thing um, when I'm out shopping for somebody. Often before I've even paid for it, I'm like, um, likewise, we will also do things for others that we don't like to do or wouldn't want to do simply because we know that that will help the person we're doing these for to feel valued and to feel treasured. Gretchen Rubin quotes one of her good friends who credited getting through a really difficult period of time by practically becoming addicted to doing good deeds. And we can revisit our reading today from Ariel Guzman, which Betsy offered for us. Guzman provides some great suggestions like helping someone out or volunteering or spending time with someone. And some other ideas, we could give handmade gifts, even if it's just one or two out of our whole list. It, it shows how much we care through the extra thoughtfulness and the time it takes to craft a personalized gift for someone or host or attend a movie or game night to enjoy fun and laughter. And we might hear more about that later in the announcements today. Um, give a special gratitude to someone who is, to someone in the, those high stress workers that we talked about last week. So our medical professionals, um, teachers and other caring industry professionals, our emergency service workers too, who we didn't lift up last week. Um, also retail workers and service workers. So maybe leave your favorite weight person a larger tip or a visa gift card, um, as long as it doesn't conflict with any shared tipping habits for the location. But a visa gift card would be something they could take with them to a place that they shop. Um, or have a plant or a flower bouquet delivered to your children's school or to your doctor's primary care's office or have pizza delivered to the firehouse. Um, we all probably have any number of ideas because this part is basically human nature, right? Doing good things, giving others joy gives us joy in return. The other part is a bit different though. One of the best ways to make other people happy is to be happy yourself. The statement is kind of opposite the first half, but it's actually a little more complicated than just flipping the order of words. While there is actually only one word that is different between those two sentences, it is a significant difference. Make yourself happy becomes be happy yourself. Gretchen Rubin shares more detail about this second half of the second splendid truth. The second part is just as important as the first. By making the effort to make yourself happier, you better equip yourself to make others happier as well. 
Happy people make better leaders and better team members. They volunteer more, they are healthier, and they have better habits. In fact, the epigraph to my book is a quotation from Robert Louis Stevenson. There is no duty we so much underrate as the duty of being happy. I certainly notice this about myself. When I'm feeling happy, I find it easier to notice other people's problems. I find that I have more energy to try to take action. I have the emotional wherewithal to tackle sad or difficult issues. And I'm not as preoccupied with myself. I feel more generous and forgiving. In a sense, in, this, in the sense of sharing joy, this now does start to make sense a little bit, at least to me it does. I mean, how do we share joy with others if we don't have joy of our own to share? So just what is it about joy that makes such a difference to us? Well, positive emotions have evolved actually to support our expansion and our growth, where negative emotions evolved to narrow our focus. So take a moment right now to think about a stressful time. Just close your eyes if you have to, or just think about a time when you might've been in stress and see what that feels like. Perhaps you wake in the middle of the night and there's a noise that you can't quite identify. What happens? Like your pulse races, right? Breathing gets shallow and the hearing sharpens so that we can elevate that and pinpoint that sound above everything else that we hear. All of these physiological changes are designed to help you identify and resolve that sound, which represents an immediate threat. And that anxiety won't stop until you have resolved what that threat is. How many of us have done that? And how many of us have then been embarrassed by ourselves because we realize it's the leaking faucet in the bathroom? <laughs> I've done that. So positive emotions sharpen the mind as opposed to sharpening the hearing. Studies shows that joyful people are better decision makers. They focus on a broader range of potential ideas. They're more creative. Happy leaders are more engaged and have more successful teams. Studies show people who are happy in the workplace are actually up to 12% more productive. Now, when I invited you to think of a stressful moment, how many of you could actually feel a physical response in your bodies? Yes. So many of us can quickly and easily notice the indicators of negative emotions because again, they represent an immediate threat. This is our fight or flight response kicking in. Positive emotions or joy have recognizable physical characteristics also, although it's often not as easily recalled where it's not as easily described. We can't quite put our finger on it. Just like last Sunday when we tried to describe the difference between happy and joy, it, when it comes to putting it into words, it's kind of just outside our description, right? But actually, it can be as simple as smiling or laughing. And when it's a real burst of joy, a burst of emotion, we might have the urge to jump up and down. That is the feeling of joy. So because our joy broadens our mindset, it gives us access to more options for decision-making and for creativity. It actually helps us to be more resilient. 
Resilience is about going with the flow and joy gives us more access to that adaptability that we would need to go with the flow. Like Gretchen Rubin, we have more capacity to see hope for the future. We are more equipped to deal with sadness and other strong emotions, even when they coexist with joy. But oftentimes we put off joy. Perhaps we feel like we don't deserve to be happy. Perhaps we think it's inappropriate or we might <laughs> think expressing our joy is too frivolous or too childlike. So we push it away. What happens when we do that? Friends, we live in a stressful world. Forget that we're still in a pandemic because you're probably as tired of hearing that as I am saying it. But also social interactions have become increasingly tenuous. We are constantly problem solving. Social media interactions can be downright ugly. I mean, just trying to get email to download sometimes approaches a level of stress that our bodies interpret as a threat of a tiger attack, right? Oh, and most of us carry these things, these little personal computers around with us everywhere. And guess what? Tigers live in here. These are tigers in our pockets. So when do we give ourselves the opportunity for the full healing and resilience that comes from feeling our joy? My colleague, Carol Thomas Sissel writes, joy does not always arrive on our schedule. Quite often when we are ready, whether we are ready or not, joy just shows up. When that happens, our only job is to open ourselves and let it in. This month when Joy slips in, please invite her to stay for a while. I know it may not be easy, but I hope each of you can find some delight, pleasure, and or happiness during the holiday season. This is the foundation of some of those suggestions that we looked at last week for finding joy when it's hard. Because although joy might show up on its own time, what might actually be the hard part for us is opening to it. I'm reminded of John O'Donohue's words that I opened the sermon with. It is a startling truth that how you see and what you see determines who and how you will be. Making a space for joy in our lives, even in small moments, makes us more resilient over the long haul and actually begins to open us up to something that looks a bit more like happiness, determining how we might be. So when can we, what can we do to invite joy to stay? Just start with joy spotting from our time for all ages. It's an easy start because it's just observing, right? There's nothing you really have to do. Simply notice where and when joy is for you. Through her research, Ingrid Lee identified different ways that joy affects us. Some things happen on a very personal level. For example, when the emotions that I get when I look at or hold my grandmother's handmade doily that used to sit on her sideboard and now covers my bedside nightstand. It is a very personal and illicit response. And these things can, these are things that affect maybe one or few, a few of us, but they really don't affect anyone else. But there are several categories of what she calls universal joys, things that delight almost everyone, 
cherry blossoms, bubbles, rainbows, rainbow sprinkles, swimming pools, things like pops of color, brightness and lightness, lightness as opposed to heaviness, nature and open spaces. We have flowers behind us. Um, abundance, excuse me, abundance, as in like polka dots or confetti, because there isn't much exciting about one piece of confetto, which is actually the singular of confetti. <laughs> but one is like picking off like a hole punch paper off of your shoe, right? But an abundance is an explosion of joy and that's exciting, right? Another place to start, if you aren't already doing them or if you've fallen off track, might be to seek out some of the self-care suggestions that have been widely shared during the past many months. When a flower doesn't bloom, we don't try to fix the flower. We adjust the, the environment the flower exists in. But we don't immediately do that for ourselves, do we? When we don't feel joyful, we seek inside of ourselves for what might be wrong. We, um, for, what, for what we might change inside of ourselves, rather than changing the environment we exist in, which is, like with a plant, how we care for ourselves. So move, however, however that looks or feels or exists for you. Run, walk, do yoga. If you aren't physically able to do those things, flex your ankles while you're seated or do finger yoga. Get outside. Even if it's just for five minutes sitting in the, on the porch in the sun on a sunny day with a warm cup of tea around your hands. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't outside, get outside, bring outside in flowers or houseplants or a pet. Invite life into your life. Skip the news first thing in the morning. Let the way you launch your day support your search for joy. Now, I'm not going to say don't watch the news. Just consider if an intentionally depressing hook for ratings is really the way that you want to start your day. In the same spirit, spend time with positive people. You don't necessarily have to cut pessimists out of your life, but limit how much of yourself you give away and be judicious about when in the day or the week or the month, the energy of a pessimist impacts your capacity to hold joy. Remember one of the ways to make ourselves happy is to make other people happy. So when you're inviting and spending time with positive people, you're actually doing them a favor as well. Returning to Robert Louis Stevenson, there is no duty we so much underrate as the duty of being happy. So if happy people make people happy, it is not selfish to try to be happier. <laughs>